Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. BPI presents Pride Connection, sponsored by Blind LGBT Pride International, Tuesdays at 10 p.m. Eastern on ACB Radio Mainstream or wherever you get your podcasts. The dreamers and me la, 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 dee, la, 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 Good evening, good evening, good evening, and welcome to Pride Connection. I am one of your three co-hosts, Anthony Corona. I am joined, of course, as always, by Vice President of Blind Pride International, Leah Gardner. Happy Tuesday evening, everybody, or whenever you may be listening. And we have Gabriel Lopez Cafati, President of Blind Pride International. Hey, Gabe. Hey, Anthony. Hey, Leah. Hey, everyone out there. Welcome back to Pride Connection, not only uh, Tuesdays at 10, but also on your favorite podcast feed nowadays yes that was some housekeeping that we wanted to put out there we are now searchable in all of your favorite podcast catchers all you have to do is type in pride connection or possibly acb pride connection depending on which catcher you're using if you type in acb in general it should bring up all of the acb podcasts including another interesting show called Sunday Edition, but I digress. (laughs) For the last couple of weeks, we have done some interesting conversations. We did that three-part social slash racial justice conversation, and last week we opened up our Employment During COVID series. This is part two, and we are lucky and very happy to be joined by Anime Aldez and Carrie Regan. We will get to them in a moment. Gabriel, Give us your president's message and then say hello to our guests. Like Anthony mentioned, we're starting uh, this series with employment during COVID, especially in our community where employment is already a challenge, uh, let alone during challenging times. There's always um, diversity of experiences. Talk about diversity. Uh, Right now, we are, like Anthony said, being joined by Carrie and Hannah. Because Hannah is joining us all the way from Manila in the Philippines. Like I said, talk about diversity. Pride Connection and BPI are always uh, making uh, diversity a priority in all of our initiatives. Hannah, can you give us a brief synopsis of what it's been like in the Philippines since COVID came up and into prominence? It's been pretty much the same thing here in the Philippines starting in March 15 we've been on lockdown and since now i haven't gone out of the house really so at this point six months into the pandemic are there any changes on the horizon in terms of the shelter in place situation have you heard any updates in terms of how long this might be still in place not really people have been waiting for a vaccine everywhere I think. What kind of messaging is your government putting out there versus what you're seeing from us here in the States? I haven't really read the news recently because they haven't been great. So not sure about the messaging. 
We also have Carrie Regan with us. Carrie, give us a brief introduction of you and where you are and where things stand in your neck of the woods. Okay, well, I'm Carrie, and I'm from Anthony's former neck of the woods. I'm from Long. I'm from New York, Long Island, New York. And uh, obviously, we used, were the epicenter of the epidemic uh, for a while in late March and early April. I had been working up until March 20th when my office closed and we were basically in full lockdown from then on. I was lucky enough to be able to stay with family for most of it because as many people were having difficulty, I was having a lot of trouble getting groceries delivered and I live on my own and that would be a problem. So I was able to quarantine with people, with my family and make sure that I had all those needs met. Uh, things are slowly opening back up. Uh, we have had outdoor dining since June. Uh, most of the businesses are back open. Uh, schools are back open as of now, although who knows how long that'll last. My my sister-in-law is actually a teacher, and she's been talking about how, how different it is for the kids now. They've got plexiglass around the desks, and it's just really hard. But there's, it's slowly, slowly getting back to normal, but there's still that lingering threat of COVID, it has not gone, obviously it has not gone away and everybody's kind of dreading what the winter might bring. So March 1st, it was uh, laughably speaking, all a hoax. It was just a little bit worse than the flu. This wasn't going to be anything serious enough to worry about. And March 20th, as you said, your office was closed. So what happened in those 20 days? Can you give us a brief progression of events between March 1st and March 20th when it comes to employment and you? It was actually kind of strange because the weekend that things really started to go downhill, I was actually down in Florida visiting some family down there. And the day that I left, I had told my office mates, you know, I don't know if I'm going to be coming back. I might have to quarantine down there depending on how things go. And every day while I was down there, I was I was texting my supervisor and asking him how things were going in the office. And he said, no, come back. We're still open. We're, we're still going. And then the week I got back, which was the week of the 16th of March, the schools closed on the day that I got back. And as the week progressed, we kept getting messages from our office. First, they were going to have a certain, just certain staff members work from home. Then they were going to go down to half staff. Then they were going down to 25% every day. Uh, the governor would come on and give new directions to the workplaces. And on March 20th, the governor uh, announced that all in-person workplaces had to shut down. So my boss, I worked at a law firm. One of the partners at the firm brought a bunch of us in and told us that, unfortunately, they had to temporarily lay off several of us. They were able to have some people work from home, but not everybody could. So they said that They hope to bring us all back relatively soon, but as of now, they had to lay some of us off. So that was obviously a bit of a shock. But, you know, at the time, we figured, okay, this can't last too long. We'll probably be back in maybe a month or so. So I put up an out-of-office message and left and figured I'd be back in a few weeks. You're a paralegal, correct, Carrie? I just want to try to Yes, yes. Okay. It happened very suddenly for you. As of Monday, March 16th, you had a job, and then... Suddenly, by the end of the week, you, you, yeah, on Friday, you found exactly. yourself laid off. Yeah. How did you mentally process that? Oh, it was, you know, I mean, at first, I, I didn't really think of it as, you know, I, oh, God, I was laid off. I was like, oh, sweet, I get to be on vacation for a couple of weeks. Thanks, Corona. <laughs> um, 
So, you know, I, I, I didn't really think of it that much at first. I figured my job was secure. I'd been there for five years. I didn't think if anything was going to happen that it would happen to me. Then my my boss uh, had suggested that we file for unemployment for the, for the duration. So that's what I did after a while. The unemployment, uh, that was just craziness. Um, it took me a couple of weeks to get that going. For the first couple of weeks, I really didn't think that it, not much was going to change. I just figured we'd open up eventually. But as the months went by and I had I didn't hear anything from my office, I was like, okay, this might be permanent. I kept talking to my supervisor. I had been working in a department with two other people and there was only one of us. My supervisor was still working from home and I kept talking to him and I kept asking if he'd heard anything. He said, no, nothing yet. St- I'm still working from home. I haven't had any feedback from the office as to when we might be returning. And where does it stand now? Uh, Well, as of now, several of the uh, people in the office have returned to the office. Um, I have spoken to my supervisor and he told me that he's still working from home, but I was contacted in June about three months after we closed and the partner that hired me called me and told me that unfortunately they had a major business slowdown due to the pandemic. I don't know what their financial situation was, but they had to permanently lay off a number of staff members and I was one of them. So that was kind of a shock. I can't say I didn't entirely see it coming, but just the fact that it did, that was, that was upsetting. That's never the kind of call you want to get. I mean, no, not at all. I think it seems like in so many ways, the pandemic, even if you were not someone that was impacted adversely, by becoming ill or a family member becoming ill. The the pandemic uprooted so many people in so many various ways. And I think employment being one of the most alarming. Hannah, tell us about your situation. Were you working when the pandemic began? Yes, I was working when the pandemic began in March. We were in the office during the first week of March because I've been working in the human resources department of this call center. And what I did was conduct exit interviews to employees who have left the company, you know, ask them why they left and what could the company have done better, things like that, chit-chat, and then I wrote reports. I used to work from home before the pandemic, so I thought that it would not be a problem for me because I came back in the office in January because they said they wanted to see me more and that was okay. And I was transferred to a new office. And then in March, we were working and waiting for the news and eating fruits and giving each other vitamin C and Max and all that. We didn't think it was a big thing at first, really. And then one day our president decided that the whole country will be in, in lockdown because of COVID. And I just thought, you know, okay, that will be fine because I have a work laptop. I can do this from home. No problem. I thought I wasn't going to be affected. So starting second week of March, I started logging in from home and continuing my job. But then later on, my assistant vice president of the human resources of the whole Philippines of the company said that you can now file your leaves. And fortunately, I had lots of them because working from home, you wouldn't need them. So Mm -hmm. I filed my leaves, 10 days of vacation leave and 10 days of sick leave. I thought at first, you know, I didn't want to use them because I'm not going in vacation. They're going to be wasted. But 
they said, so you're gonna get paid. And I got paid until May. And then they said, we're gonna put you on an active status due to pandemic starting in May. And now they haven't really, because later on they said, we have removed your role. You're not gonna call people wow. anymore to ask them why they left. Uh. They probably do not want to hear. I was yeah. gonna say that probably your role uh, was very interesting during the pandemic because obviously conducting exit interviews and with the amount of people that they were laying off or suspending, they didn't want to hear your reports or read your reports of what people yes. were saying when they had to leave. Yes, you're right, Gabriel, because they've mismanaged the thing because they didn't really start getting PCs for people right away. They moved the call center agents into hotels at first wow. so they can still mm -hmm. go to the office and that was really expensive for mm -hmm. them go ahead it just boggles my mind uh, it being you know the core of the business and this goes for both carrie and hannah i cannot understand how a paralegal or a uh, you know except for obviously the de decline and client which i still still is i would question a little bit because you know legal proceedings need to go on and mm -hmm. we've been seeing that even trials have been going on via zoom and yeah. in your case hannah call center call center is you know it just yells remote was the government in the philippines giving the kind of direction that lent to you know making the decisions that needed to be made or was the company that you're working for scrambling with different messaging like um like Harry said you know the messages were this then this then this then this you know was there clear messaging from your government when the pandemic started there wasn't any clear messages there were different kinds of lockdowns depending on where you are and us being in metro manila the capital city of the philippines where the most cases yeah, are from we were totally locked down at first we were told not to go out to buy groceries and all that stuff so we had to buy online but then we have had to wait for the right schedule because lots of people are buying online things like that i remember that was one of the biggest cues that something extraordinary was happening is that you know one day we had delivery within two hours Mm -hmm. And by the next, you could see the delivery times being either completely unavailable. Yeah. Most of them said unavailable. Many said right. Unavailable, or yeah. way, or, or, you know, or, or way out there. And I mean, I think from, from the standpoint of seeing things that we take for granted in this world completely shift overnight for people that are visually impaired, you know, who, who at that point um, were depending on delivery. It broke so many systems that I think many of us had in place. So Hannah, what's it been for the last couple of months now? And what are you looking at going forward? Since March, I haven't worked. There was a document that was sent to us saying that in six months, if we haven't found anything for you, because they were going to redeploy me. And they, to be fair, have tried to find something for me back in the call center, because they're not going to take me back to HR anymore because they removed my role. But they said, you know, you can now go back to the call center and earn more depending on how the client paid. And I was hoping for that. They interviewed me for two accounts, one internet account and one music streaming account. And 
nothing happened. And here in the Philippines, there's a labor code. In the law, it says that if your company hasn't found you anything, if you haven't gone back to work in six months, they should pay you. It'll be six months this month? Yeah, I think probably... The six months will probably just have passed at this point. So are you still getting paid at this time? No, I stopped getting paid in May. Mm -hmm. And the worst thing about it is I took a plan for a new iPhone last year because I thought, you know, I'm always going to have a job. I can pay this thing. And then I stopped getting paid and I can't pay my bills Because here in the Philippines, I think it's important to mention that if we don't have a job or earn money from our job, we're getting nothing because we don't get SSI or all the other incomes that people get when they lose their jobs. There's no safety net for people with disabilities of any kind? No. The government tried with the different agencies like Department of Labor and Employment, but of course I didn't get any of that. They don't have an unemployment plan. They did have, it's just there are lots of people who applied in the Department of Social and Welfare. Gave persons with disabilities some money, but there's a crazy rule that if a member of your family is working in the government, which my brother is, working in the Department of Social welfare, you don't get it. Oh, no. oh well, that's not fair. Yeah, that's ridiculous. And I've been telling him, you working in the government doesn't mean I actually mm-hmm. depend on you, or I should. So he was just like, that's the assumption. Having discussions with him because I said, you know, you should have a voice there. You work there. They will listen to you and, like, just, you know, go with the flow and all that stuff. Because it's not affecting you. You work from home. Yeah. Nationally, what are they saying as far as job numbers are concerned? And, and what is it the economy in the Philippines look like right now? The last time I checked, there were 27 million out of the estimated 40 plus million adults who are not working. Has your government done any stimulus or pumped any money into the economy to try to spark things the way the United States tried earlier this year? No. We only have unemployment benefits, but you have to show them that your company actually laid you off, and they haven't yet. So I'm still officially employed, but not really. It seems like the infrastructure in the Philippines absolutely was not in place for this kind of catastrophic emergency. And and a lot of people were left in, in complete limbo. So how are you managing right now in terms of living expenses and how are you coping with this financially? I used to live with my friends in an apartment and in May I had to come back to my parents' house and say I need to be here Mm. because I can't support myself. It's so humiliating Mm. for me because I've been working a long time and they know that I can support myself financially and I mostly don't live here but Now, because of the pandemic, actually because of my company's response to the pandemic, because Mm -hmm. most people can work from home, I'm back here and I ask them to help me with the bills. And it's so depressing sometimes thinking about, you know, I can afford this a few months ago and now I can't. I have to ask everything from people. I'm not used to that. 
Right. Be contractually yeah. bound to the company or can you look for other work? I can. It's just I'm hoping that they pay me after six months because that's what's said in the law. That if they haven't found anything for you because it's their responsibility to find anything or something, they will have to pay you redundancy. And I'm waiting Wait. for that. When does your six months technically start under the law there? Is it March? Is it May? What's the six-month date for you that you're sort of waiting for? It's when you got the letter, and I got the letter <clears throat> in April. So the sixth month will be in October. We're going to keep so our fingers you get crossed. It, after yeah. you get that official communication in, in October, are you going to be able to hold out for a few months to see what the company does, or are you jumping at the bit to start looking after you get that that back pay. I am going to start working. Actually, my brother is helping me with that. In October, I will be starting to work with his department in a facilitator role, facilitating focus group discussions in one of the projects that they're handling. It's a project based. They will pay me lots of money to work on the focus group so aside from the pay that i'm hopefully getting from my company i will get paid in christmas so that's good at least gabe let's turn back to carrie for a few minutes yes. so you're officially you're officially okay. let go what are your next steps well um right after i got let go i reopened my case with the state commission for the blind uh, i don't know what it's like in other states but in new york if you've been employed for at least 90 day for 90 days your case gets closed so i had been employed yep. for about five years i had to reopen everything fortunately my counselor is fantastic and we were able to get that done really quick so we got that done and I've started working with a job placement specialist from a local agency. Um, I've got a meeting with him, my first meeting with him next week. I've also updated my resume, which I, I needed to do anyway. I hadn't updated it in a while, so I, I was able to take care of that. And really right now, for the most part, it has been a lot of just sending it around to people. I've been going on a bunch of different job sites. I, up, I uh, updated my LinkedIn profile too. I haven't really found anything that I re that really fits me yet. Um, my school that I went to for my paralegal certificate, they offered job placement assistance, which has been which was great actually. That's where I got my first job. I joined their email list and have been getting some job leads from them, but so far none of them have really fit me and what I'm specifically looking for. Where do you see the difficulty in either retaining job during the pandemic as a paralegal or finding new job? If that's, that's always, it's like doctors. I actually attended a really good seminar that was put on by a paralegal in Texas. It was a, web, it was a webinar about finding and uh, maintaining jobs during, legal jobs during the pandemic. And what, she, what they were explaining was a lot of firms are downsizing, particularly those that... Uh, work with large corporate companies that are also downsizing. It, it, there's a lot. It's a lot of symbiosis in these in these firms. So yeah, if one company is it. doing well, the, everybody else suffers. So we, my particular area, is administrative law. So I was working at oh. a firm that did social security and workers comp, yeah. which you would think would be perfectly fine. Yeah, yeah particularly right. workers comp because a lot of people unfortunately caught COVID at work. But I guess. The courts were closed for a while and everything has been just ridiculously backed up. My supervisor that I've been uh, communicating with, uh, we had been working on depositions and 
He told me mm -hmm. that normally you get about a, a, a month to three months leeway uh, to do depositions on a case. The judge was giving them like five or six months at this point because things were just so crazy. So, so everything just depends on the market, on what everybody else is doing, on how everybody else is doing. I, I don't really know the specifics, obviously, because I haven't been in there. Yeah, I was going to say, having done administrative law, have you considered any government jobs? I have. Actually, I spoke to um, someone about that the other day. I need to update my USA jobs account. I had initially mm -hmm. been somewhat reluctant, considering the government we have now, to work for the government we yeah. have now. Yeah, but I'm hoping that that will change in a couple of months. And um, yes. yeah, yeah, so I am I am open to that. I need to update my USA Jobs account. As if anybody has been oh. on USA Jobs, I'm sure you can you can relate to how crazy that will be. So I am looking at that, and I haven't looked at state jobs yet. I don't think the state was hiring, unfortunately. Out another effect of COVID on the economy the state budgets and the local budgets are in terrible stress right now. The, the local uh, economies aren't getting a lot of help from state or federal. Hopefully that'll change, but uh, things are pretty quiet on the, on the government hiring front as far as a state local is concerned. In your personal experience, mm -hmm. the handling of the pandemic up to this point has put you where you are. Do mm -hmm. you think if the response was different, you'd be in a different place. And if you had, you know, the opportunity to, to speak to Senator Schumer or one of the top New York representatives, mm -hmm. what would you say, you know, from based upon your personal experience, how is this? Thank God I live in New York because mm -hmm. we've actually been par fairly good about this kind of thing. For the most part, people have been really good about wearing masks everywhere. People were fairly sensible about reopening. I know New York City, they aren't, they haven't, they've been pushing back opening schools for a couple of weeks. So at least in my state, uh, Governor Cuomo and the elected officials have been pretty good about taking precautions and doing their best to uh, lower the case numbers as much as possible. He, you know, when I would, at the beginning of the pandemic, listen to Andrew Cuomo, all politics aside, I thought that man is who I want to be at the helm in the middle of a crisis, a crisis no matter how yeah. stressed how bleak things seem that man is the kind of leader his voice you know the way that he carried himself and his ability to stay calm and provide critical information i thought was so refreshing given the way that other i think people in management oh, and yeah. government positions have comported themselves through this mm. crisis. Yeah, he, he yeah. did a, a fantastic job. We, his, his press conferences were daily viewing in my house. We would, my, my mom would be like, it's 1130, the governor's on, come down and watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel bad for a lot of the other states and it's been hard. We have family members that live in other states and they obviously can't come here because their states are still quarantined. So I just wish that the powers that be in Washington would get off their collective butts and maybe look into getting some more stimulus money out there. We we did get some of the we did get some money in I think it was April or May, and we also qualified that for a lost wages program, which brought us a little bit of money over the last couple of weeks. I mean, thank God I'm in a decent situation myself. I'm back in my apartment. I own my place, 
So I don't have to worry about paying rent every month. I just have to pay the mortgage and the maintenance, which isn't too bad. But I know there are people out there who are in an absolutely terrible shape between rent and bills. And so a lot of people have kids and it's just really rough. Yeah. And I, yeah, it's, I can't imagine what that must be like. A year from now, five years from now, how much of what happened this year is going to stay with you the rest of your life? It's just everything changed. I remember sitting at work the last day I was there and just thinking nothing is going to be the same after this. What sort of a life are we going to have now Now that everything is just ending and everyone's going to be at home now and, and just what's going to happen? And things are getting back to normal and it's funny how normal things get. Like, I wore a mask to a funeral the other day and I was like, mm. oh my God, this is so weird. I'm, I'm at a funeral and I have a specific mask for these occasions now. And it's just, it's so strange, the things that you get used to, like you, you have a mask for every purse you carry out of the house and you never leave without hand sanitizer. And you saw, I saw some relatives that I haven't seen in a while and I haven't hugged them in a a good long time. Those poor kids, the, the kids that are just starting school now, this is all they're going to know. How about you, Anna? Oh, I'm going to remember everything. It's this time that I've lost my job that I thought will always be secure because I've been employed since 2017 in this company and they bought my, my software and they've been very supportive until now and i am going to remember that for sure aside from that i've also been studying taking my ma in women and development studies and i will remember that starting this semester we are having online classes at home no going out to school it's certainly a, a an interesting experience compared to before we have a unique opportunity with you. You said your company, you know, you said they bought your software and they've been very good to you before, you know, yes. pre-pandemic. Is that representative of what most of the companies in the Philippines are like? What it, What's the job prospects for people with low or no vision in general in the Philippines? I considered myself lucky before the pandemic because here in the Philippines, we have a law which says that you can't discriminate a person with disability in, in hiring and all that stuff in a job in the government but in private companies it's pretty much whatever they want or don't want if they don't want to hire you then you won't get hired and there are lots of blind people who have finished college here in the philippines without jobs who end up doing massage therapy and all that stuff nothing wrong with that it's just they haven't used their stuff that they studied so their degrees so it's really hard to find a job and i considered myself lucky because i had one still have in paper but now it's not helping me any and I am hoping that I can find a new one. I've been talking to my friends as well, you know, asking them if they know of someone who's looking for a customer service or technical support or transcription person. And people are telling me, you know, you just submit your CV and we'll 
pass it on to the right people, but none of them has contacted me yet. Well, this pandemic has absolutely changed, I think, an entire generation, not just here in the United States, but obviously across the world. Hannah, as you point out, I want to thank you both for talking with us today and sharing your experiences. And I just want to wish you both the best of luck in your future pursuits and some degree of normalization. We'll be back after a brief moment with two more stories about losing jobs during the pandemic. Do you remember BPI? Oh yeah, Blind LGBT Pride International. They're a special interest affiliate of ACB. Yes, they are the ones doing all these cool things at convention. Guess what they're up to now? Do tell. Their own show. It's called Pride Connection. That's great, but what if I'm not a part of the LGBT community? This is a show for everyone. Actually, non-LGBT and non-disabled folks are known as allies, and they are a huge portion of BPI's membership. Everyone is welcome. So what kinds of topics can I expect from Pride Connection? Fun and relevant topics for everyone, from blindness to LGBT education, technology to advocacy. So when will Pride Connection take place? Every Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern. Be sure to tune in so we can all connect and learn while having fun. Pride Connection on On ACB ACB Radio Radio Mainstream. And now joining us is BPI board member Jessica Kell and Victoria Herrera. Good evening, ladies. Good evening. Tell us your journey in COVID. What happened as far as employment is concerned? Were you working steadily in the beginning of the pandemic or did you know immediately that things were going to change? We'll start with Jess. So I was working at a methadone clinic that was hospital based and things started to shift in March. We started to talk a little bit more about how were patients going to get their medications and mask precautions and gloves. But we kind of, in one of those meetings, we talked about the fact that clearly we didn't have enough masks. And I thought, what do you mean we have to wear them for every session? Is this real? A few days before I was furloughed, we had a discussion in our meeting about they were really trying to figure out who it would be and that our manager had really strongly fought to keep all of us because we were pretty essential for people, especially in the midst of addiction, who were going to suddenly be extra, extra fearful because I do mental health work and, you know, needing to make sure that that they had support and that they had people to talk to and what, what would we figure out to do. I remember going to lunch that day, coming back and getting this email that was sent to every single person in the entire building that said, you're furloughed. And here's what this means. And I was like, oh my God, what the hell? Like, I guess they're glad they got that out and told us, you know, an hour before it happened. But then it actually turned out that email was a mistake and they retracted it. But I kind of had a sense. And two days later, they came walking down the hall and they'd go into everybody's office and shut the door. And so by the time they came to my office and I said, all right, it's my turn, isn't it? And she kind of (laughs) laughed and I said, all right, how does this work? How do I collect unemployment? When do we get to come back? Wow. Yeah. So I applied for unemployment pretty much that I was furloughed as of March 27th. And I applied for unemployment immediately. I maybe started seeing payments. Oh, two and a half months later my god when they finally hit but they told you when you were furloughed that you'd be back or yeah Yeah. it kind of seemed like we would be back and the other thing was most of my coworkers were actually working temporarily they pulled them in to work in a factory so sneaky thing that we didn't know the hospital owned a factory that made ppe 
So most of my coworkers were making masks and gowns and doing all these things and they were hurting. Um, They were getting their same pay Mm. level, but they were definitely hurting and they were miserable and they were envying me. And, you know, it was kind of this catch 22 Mm. here. It was sort of a thing where my wife is waiting to be approved for disability for back injuries. So we've got a blind mom, we've got an injured mom, and we've got a, a brand new baby who was at the time seven months old. Kind of like, how are how are we going to do all this? What happens to my health insurance? How do I keep her mm-hmm. in formula uh, and diapers? So it was it was scary there for a little while. But they were telling us, we're, we're going to let you know as soon as you can come back. We're, we're sure everybody will get to come back. What made you feel as soon as your manager or boss came in, what made you feel initially that, that this is it? Well, when they come in and close the door, you know, some crap is coming <laughs> that, down. But That's uh, usually more than an omen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's, and, and when the director who never has time to talk to you anymore, is like, oh, can I talk oh, to you for it was a minute? The oh, good. Yeah, yeah it was uh, her and yeah. my supervisor. What I found out is they basically kept a couple people from each team. My mental health team consisted of our director, who clearly they weren't going to get rid of because she managed mm-hmm. mental health um, and substance use stuff for a few of the hospitals within the conglomerate. It. And my supervisor. I wonder if your who, director is, is seeing patients, though. <laughs> she's not. And that was really hard. So some of my patients were assigned to her, but the feedback that I got was that she really wasn't seeing them. So there were a lot of people that went without care. We mm-hmm. lost our grant for Medicare during all this time. I got a call in June just to let you know we've lost our grant. So we're calling all your Medicare patient to let them know that they're going to have to transfer treatment. And basically, as the only social worker on staff, social workers can bill for Medicare. Professional counselors cannot. So I kind of thought this means if the grant is gone and I am hired under the grant, are they bringing me back? They've just gotten rid of the niche Mm -hmm. market that I had and the whole purpose that I was there. You know, one thing I remember about this situation, Jess, that really stood out to me at the time when you knew that you weren't going back is that it wasn't just the traumatic loss of income for you. I remember one of the things that really upset you the most was that you didn't have a chance to give any of your clients any type of information about what had happened. You didn't get to say goodbye to them in any way whatsoever. It was just a sudden stop. Yeah, when you work within a system like that, their idea is, and I actually asked, I said, can I come in without pay and just Mm -hmm. be on the phone and make calls one day? And, you know, Mm -hmm. it's such a big system. It's such a big corporate system that they basically just said, no, that's not possible. But it was really Mm -hmm. hard. I actually had a few patients reach out and find me on Facebook Messenger. Mm -hmm. One of them, you know, said, my mom has died. Uh, wow. My significant other, my child's father is in inpatient treatment. I feel mm. like I'm losing everything. Please tell me when you're coming back. I'm not getting what I need. I don't feel <sighs> like I can talk to the director. I don't know what to do. Just, and I said, I, I'm so sorry. Wow. And I shouldn't be talking to you ethically. It's a really blurry line right now. But I need to just tell you that I think about you. And I am wishing you the best. And the second mm. I get to come back, I will call you and you will be back in or we will do whatever we need to do. And I'm so sorry that I couldn't be here for you now. She didn't have Medicare. She's covered. She's still there. When I was officially let go, I took a few days to really process it and figure out could I get in trouble for this. And then I did say to her, look, I want to let you know, I unfortunately can't come back. And I wish that I could, and I wish that I could help you. And if you happen to ever reach out, 
to groups and look for local therapy offices and see my name somewhere. I would love to work with you where I am, but that's kind of all I can say. Heartbreaking. Yeah. And um, it, it was. And I had another one who said, add me on Messenger. And she tried to join a group that I've created that's for blind social mm -hmm. workers. And I'm thinking, you're a patient. You're not blind. What? Ooh, okay, you're stalking my profile a little bit here. Like, I... So I said, I can't add you to my group, but please know that I wish you well. And I'm really sad about the way this all went down for you guys. Mm -hmm. And I think about you and you matter. And she's never responded. I think she probably felt shut down, but it, it was really hard ethically to know what to do. Yeah, because ultimately, mm -hmm. you know, you need to take the steps that you need to take to move, transition into something else. And you don't want any kind of questioning of your practices moving forward. And yet you've got the tug on you about these people that mm -hmm. have lived to to be with you once or twice a week you know for months or years and years i was at that job for three years and suddenly you're not a part of their process anymore right and for a lot of them there is no process they've been told oh you can't be here because the grant's gone so maybe they found other methadone programs but mm -hmm. did they find thorough mental health care like they had with us because that's not mm -hmm. easy to find, especially no. when you're under government funding. Hi, Victoria. Tell us a little about your um, situation before and then as COVID hit. Okay. Uh, well, I'm a licensed massage therapist, um, and I pretty much run my own business. So it's just myself. I don't have any employees. My business is very, very successful, and it was successful up until COVID hit. I was seeing about probably anywhere from six to eight clients a day. Yeah. Four to five um, days a week. And it was, um, you know, I was pretty busy. <laughs> and next thing you know, they were talking about COVID. And at first, everyone wasn't sure what it was and, you know, what was going on. Um, I have a lot of clients who travel, like, everywhere. People travel mm -hmm. to New York. People travel back and forth to D.C. Most of my regulars told me, hey, I'm going out of town. I'm coming back here. And then there's a lot of people that they come in and they're like, oh, I just have allergies. And back then, allergies was like, okay, that's fine. No problem. But the more and more I heard, um, the more and more I had to kind of start cutting back. Um, so I went from about eight clients a day to at least probably about five. And I was starting to get scared because I was starting to hear the news, you know, watching the news and just I had to because I had to be safe with not just myself, but with my clients as well. And then my partner at the time was working in the city uh, for the IRS. So she was traveling back and forth. She was coming back and forth on the bus. And I was like, okay, well, I have to be careful because I don't want to give it to any of my clients. And I, I sat down and I told her, I was like, I just, I'm very scared because I'm massaging people. I'm touching them. It's very... Yes, yes, it's like, contact touch. But there's no six feet distance at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it's not possible. <laughs> Nothing. Clients love their massages. So, yes, they'll look out for me, but at the same time, they don't. <laughs> you know, um, I was like, I'm really scared. I really don't want to go back right now. So eventually I shut down on March 13th. So I, I really went from five people to about two people a day. And then that's when I just said, you know what? It was an automatic shutdown. I was like, I'll take the loss. Um, mm. I'll figure out what I need to do, but I'm just not comfortable going back and forth and, and taking a chance. So I went from being very successful to shut down. And I was kind of like, Jess, um, I went filed unemployment um and actually when i did file unemployment in pennsylvania they said to fill it out the, the next day but that wasn't the self-employed unemployment it was just unemployment for regular individuals so we weren't able to even do self-employment unemployment until april 27th 
Oh, and then wow. you start getting benefits until like the end of May, 1st of June. So meanwhile, um, you're not getting any, getting, anything. I didn't get anything. Um, wow. My partner at the time was working, but they weren't sure if they were going to get paid and they were starting to get paid. But luckily I had some clients who were still paying me, even though I wasn't seeing them because they wanted to see me still be successful. Oh, that's not amazing. Sure. Wow. So, that's incredibly yeah, that is really cool. selfless. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I was actually going to ask, Victoria, if you had kept in contact with your clients, because once we go back to a more sense of normal, whatever right. that new normal is, I'm guessing that your clients are also not going anywhere else because, you know, the whole concept of getting a massage is it, it's a pause in your relationship and you'll come back to the business relationship with them. Yeah, so I reached out to a lot of people um, during the time because I didn't really have much to do. So I stayed in contact with them. And then in the meanwhile, I was trying to figure out, okay, well, what can I do to still help them? You know, because I want to be able to help them because everybody's stressed out trying to figure out things. So I did call them, kept in touch, you know, make sure their family was okay, let them know that I was okay. I stayed engaged on my Facebook business page, stretches how to keep their self loose and self help techniques um and so what i ended up doing was going online so a lot of massage therapists were trying to just come up with ways to make money still so we went ahead and did online consultations so i got on zoom with them and we did stretch oh nice um some people did go for it i had a good amount of people that went for it but there was a good enough people that just still wanted that personal touch but i made money a little bit doing that as well and i um you know let them know that i would get back as soon as i could but i took their safety into consideration other than just mine as well so massage therapists salons were like the last ones to be able to open and so i came back you know july i tried it for like three days and then i went out of town i was like can't do it right now and this actually this coming up week is just the first week that i've been back so it took about a few months and how did that first week go It's scary. Um, of course, we had to take a lot of measures. You know, we had to clean extra more than what we normally do. Um, I've gotten a couple of humidifiers in the in the office. Um, the clients are coming back. So my business is still there. All the clients haven't left. But at the same time, there are I have weekly clients and some of those aren't coming back yet. But I do see that I haven't lost the business. Um, it's slower, though. I'm not seeing I, and I will not see five to eight people a day. I'm only going to do at least probably three uh three or four but it's going to be where it's like i see one person there's going to be an hour break in between so i can't have people back to back at all because i have to give myself enough time to mm -hmm. clean everybody has to wear a mask in a session so everything definitely has changed i know your life has changed a lot and you used to live right near where your business is and you don't anymore so right. what is it like tacking that commute time on and how do you do it especially so, as a blind person you can't just drive i did move um due to personal reasons um about an hour and a half from my office and it's another thing that i'm actually taking into consideration for now though um so i'm taking the amtrak train and i'm taking a mask it's oh th what i was going to do is originally only going to see two people a day but because i'm an hour and a half away i'm want to make it worth my while to even go there mm -hmm. um but at the same time i haven't let it go because that's where all of my clientele is that's where the money is yeah. um so what i'm wanting to do is be able to kind of hold on to that while I try to build something here. But at the same time, it's going to be a little tricky here because it's during COVID. So I'm just giving it my all and giving it my time and 
know that it's going to just have to be a little bit extra time. And I'm only going to do three days a week, most likely, versus it's only like a day more. Like I usually do four to five days, but I'm only going to probably do three days a week. And I'm doing like every other day. And I'm letting the clients know that because my clients are used to like certain people came on Tuesday evening, certain people came on Wednesdays. And now that I have to travel back, I'm not going to be working until like six. I'm only going to work until like four. So four five, so I can give myself that time where I can at least get back home at a reasonable time. But eventually, yeah, I, I just want to be able to hire someone maybe and they can keep the office in the Pennsylvania, in the Philly area. And I, and I work the Harrisburg area. So that's my goal. When it comes to massage therapy, it, the hand touch is essential, right? So you cannot wear gloves. You can wear gloves. And, and a lot of people do wear gloves. Like the latex gloves, change them out. But you touch different things. Like we have to get the lotion. So for me, it's better to use the hand sanitizer in between or during yeah. the set. I use a lot just because I'm obsessive. So if I rub the back and work on the back, once I'm done with the back, I go pump the sanitizer. And I put sanitizer on their hands too when I start working on their hands um but it's also yeah. caused me to rethink i love massage I, i make money there but i'm also looking at alternative career goals just because if like another phase comes or the same issue comes i kind of want mm -hmm. something be able to do from home or something that's not going to put a stop you know for making money i'm kind of curious how many people in the massage therapy or physical therapy field are thinking on those lines as well and how that might change the availability of these types of practices Services. moving forward yeah, yeah thank i think you. it's changing body work a lot i know my acupuncturist and she was like you victoria she was doing online zoom and actually she would send people these little patches that you can stick on and she would show you where to put them Yes. for your different acupuncture points. They're back in the office. I did get to go once before my insurance stopped. And you know what? It was so worth it. It was worth it to be in a mask and to be a little hot. It was still, it was my, <laughs> my gift. But I know for her, she's only part-time now in part because hello, cyber school. So you've got to be home with your kids too for, for yeah. some people. So it's really hard to do full-time even if you had the will to do it. It's, it's just changed everything for people. Which brings me to Jess, kind of where you are at this point, which is you've begun doing some telework. So can you tell us how that came about and how that's proceeding? Yeah. So um, the day that I was officially fired and they had called me, my director called me and said, oh, can you come do a meeting with HR in two weeks? And I'm like, two weeks? Why are they dragging it out that long? And I said, look, mm -hmm. let me just be real with you. Um, these are the days my wife is free and we have a car. Can I come up on this day or this day? Because the day that you're asking me to come is one of her work days and we won't be able to pack up that day. I was trying to trick her. I mean, let's just be real about mm -hmm. it. She didn't go for it. But I was trying to just trick her into telling me so I could have it over with and, and move, move, grieve and move on. And she was like, oh, well, let's just wait and see. So I <laughs> showed up to HR wearing, yes. wearing my baby on my chest with my cane in hand. And I said, I'm sorry, I have to wear her. This is nap time. We've gotten into a zone in the last three months. So I'm going to just, you know, if you don't mind, I'm going to have her with me. <laughs> and I went in and they said, oh, well, you know, we lost the Medicare grant. And as you know, and I said, yeah, I, I know what we're doing here. I, I understand. And I said, are there any other available positions? And I said, oh, never mind. I guess there wouldn't be because I don't have accommodations and access to use equally either of your health records that everybody else is using because there's a mental health EHR and a substance use EHR. And I couldn't access either of those. They did a lot of workarounds. And even though it's a huge system, they actually did offer a coworker who they let go. They offered her a position in a different hospital. They didn't say, oh, no, 
unfortunately, there's nothing. And I said, right, because of the databases. No, 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 it's not because of that. And I said, it's fine. I said, I guess this is what it is to enter the 70% of unemployed blind people. I wanted them to feel something about this because they basically eliminated the top three, the, the least senior people. A lot of people had been there for 10 something years. So I get home and I put up a Facebook status and I was like, I wonder if I'm the first blind person to baby wear when getting fired by HR. And I got contacted in about two days from a coworker from an old job who texted me and said, I would love to have you come be in my group practice. And And she was wonderful. And she has offered to help me figure out how to set up a private practice, which I never would have even done group practice because you're doing fee for service. If somebody doesn't show, boom, you're out that money. And it has been rough. But it turned out that the medical records that she was using weren't accessible. She started doing research and found out that there had been a suit against Epic, which Hopkins and a lot of other hospitals use, which the judges refused. So they're not even... There's so much money in these systems that they can even fight having to make them accessible. So she said to me, well, don't worry. This other person that we worked with is also looking. So, you know, maybe you can work for him. And then the next thing I knew, he said, are you on the market? And I said, of course. And he paid to give me a membership to the database that he was using just so I could test it out. And it turned out that it worked. It's a little clunky kind of shifting around and trying to figure out all your boxes and where to type and what to do. And it works a little differently, phone versus computer versus iPad, but it's doable. So I have been working since mid-August. I've gotten two paychecks so far, and each of them has been less than a third of what my paychecks Mm -hmm. were at my old job. So it's rough. It's scary. I feel like I may still need to apply for disability to supplement just to get by. I have stashed all that unemployment. You know, they were giving the extra payments. They were tacking on that extra bonus. Um, So I've got that. If that got us through six months, I would be surprised. So mm-hmm. something has got to give <laughs> and I'm slowly building up a caseload, but you know, it's every time I think I'm building rapport, somebody just no shows three times and then they're out and then you're down yeah. a person again and it's, it's hard, but it's also been great working from home. I got the second maternity leave. I never could have imagined getting, I've gotten to see my baby take her first steps, say her words, um, run. I get to in between sessions, come out and nurse her if I want to. And it's been pretty incredible. Yeah, even amid these these incredible challenges, there's some silver lining here. Absolutely. And I don't think I could ever go back to working for an agency again. I don't know what it's going to look like when I'm full-time 25 hours. I'm really afraid, mm-hmm. Victoria, you and I need to get together about how the this self-employment taxes caseload stuff works because I'm scared, but it's wonderful. Being with her is priceless. And she was such a labor of love and such a four-year process to even have her that just, it's been, I would do it all over again. And I will never leave and be gone 10, 11, 12 hours a day, every day again. Where do things stand with your wife? Are you hopeful that the disability will kick in and she'll be able to adjust for so you guys? She's getting long-term disability from our job right now. We, we worked worked for, I have to keep saying past tense, I am no longer there. I They cut me out. She is receiving long-term disability from them. And actually part of what's included in that is legal service for free that because they basically want to get you off their long-term disability and onto regular disability. So they're not paying Mm -hmm. out anymore. So they've been working with her for months and months and months and going back and forth with social security. They've lost her application several times. She said she's worked with offices throughout the country. And the one in Maryland is pretty much the most 
egregious one she's ever dealt with. I don't think it will change things very much financially. I think what she's getting now is around what she will get then. She's working about 10 hours a week just doing desk work. She's a nurse, but obviously with all the issues, she can't do the physical right now. So I don't know what that's going to look like. She has career ideas and I say, no, we can't take that financial risk. But I never thought I would take this kind of a financial risk mm -hmm. and I wouldn't have if I hadn't been forced into it. It's only by the fact that this is the only option because at this point, agencies, the increasing use of electronic medical records that are just not accessible. It's feeling like a field that as a blind person, I either have to find my own way or I have to give up and move into something else. You know, one thing we've talked about um, just on this particular show and that we also discussed on our prior program about work worlds changing uh, during COVID is the suddenness and um, the rapidity at how every life we've discussed here has changed, transitioned, and how one day things kind of were going along in a particular way, and suddenly the next, every facet of life changed. And I can't communicate enough the surrealness and the, the unreality of that. I'm wondering if both of you could speak to any of those emotions I feel like it's been like a roller coaster and it happened, like you said, it happened so fast because everyone's like, you know, I think maybe we're just going to hold out. We're going to hold out, see what happens. You have to just start thinking, you know, real fast. And these things kind of like a fear, like a fight or flight thing where you, what do I need to do? And that's the way I felt. Um, you know, I shut the business down. I didn't know you know, what was going to happen, but I knew that I just needed to save my life and save my partner at the time's mm -hmm. life and, you know, keep us safe. So we bunkered down and um, did that. But even just the employment part of it changed my life. Um, the person I was with at the time, we were actually married. Um, now it went from married to a divorce. I didn't know There's that an emotional part. toll. <laughs> Yes, I went through a divorce, going through a divorce now because of, I think because it gave me time to just realize you're with someone for so long. Um, it felt like we were pretty much just sticking together because we were used to each other. Um, and kind of like what Jess said, you know, financially, you don't want to change things because you're used to, you know what you have, you know that that financial stability is going to get you through or hope that it's going to get you through. Um, but it gave me time to think and say, okay, well, you know what, I'm, this is the time and, you know, I made that decision and, and we separated during COVID and went from pretty much having everything to just walking away and I left her with everything and now I'm in a position to just start over. Finally just got my own place uh, and that's why I moved out to the Harrisburg area. It's, it's really you're starting scary. out in such a wonderful way. You're, you're perfect. Like, it's good. <laughs> Right. You just have to be forced to do it. Um, you, you, when you're forced to do something, I think there's a way out. I know there's a way. Or if there's a will, there's a way. Well, I think we have spoken to four really incredibly brief individuals for this program. I think that this is an inspiring moment. You can either roll under the wave or you can hop up on that surfboard and take the wave where it's going to take you. And we found four people that have taken that wave and run with it. I can't say enough how thankful we are that you've all spoken to us this evening. And maybe we can check back in in a couple of months and find out where the wave took everyone. Yep. This has been Pride Connection. Leah, do your thing. If anyone has feedback or questions, please email us at membership at blindlgbtpride.org or you can find us on our website 
at www.blindlgbtpride.org. That's a wrap for tonight. Everybody stay well, stay safe. Peace. Good night, everybody. You have been listening to Pride Connection, sponsored by Blind LGBT Pride International. For more information, go to blindlgbtpride.org. Dreamers and me